0: You don't want to overthink it, like, is this the thing I want to do for 10 years before you write one newsletter? But am I actually excited about this or am I just doing it because there's like, oh, I want to get a lot of followers and everyone's paying attention to this topic and I'm going to become the person on this topic. Like, just make sure you actually care because it'll show. People will know if you're writing about something that you don't really care about um, and it won't be any good.
1: What is up, you sexy bastards? It is your boy, Mr. Miata, aka Rabbi Can't Lose, aka Noah Kagan. In today's chat, I talked to Lenny Richitsky, the creator of the number one business newsletter on Substack. Lenny has a really interesting career path. He started off as an engineer, then decided to start his own business, which got acquired by Airbnb, where he stayed and worked for over seven years until he quit again to be his own boss. When Lenny left Airbnb to tinker with different startup ideas, he was writing about what he was working on the side to share his learnings. But then his writing started to gain a lot of traction online, and it became his main hustle. On an Indie Hacker post, he said his newsletter is making around $500,000 in annual recurring revenue. So I had to invite him over to learn how he runs this one-person operation business. Check out his newsletter at lenny'snewsletter.com. It's awesome. And if you ever want to learn about how to be a content creator or start your own newsletter, then you're going to love this episode. Here's three gigantic things you're going to take away. Uno, how to make just enough income to live a happy, chill life. Two, why starting a newsletter might be easier than starting a podcast. And number three, What is Lenny's number one source of referral traffic? I was surprised by this one. Enjoy those three things, plus a bunch more ear nuggets along the way. If you've ever want to launch your own business just like Lenny, but you don't know where to start or you need some help, I have reopened my course, Monthly 1K, for just 10 bucks. It's helped thousands of people start their business journey, and I know it will help you too. Head over to okdork.com slash monthly 1K and sign up. That's okdork.com slash monthly 1K. Also, special pre-show shout-out to listener Dr. Mac. Oh, that's a cool name. He left a review saying, One of my faves, this is one of my favorite podcasts about online marketing. Noah is a bright guy. Oh, that's good. The episodes are short and mostly laser-focused, and his advice is generally useful and actionable. Bottom line, if you market products online, Noah will almost certainly help you increase your traffic and sales. Damn, man. Thank you and every other one of you gorgeous listeners. If you want to shout-out in a future episode, y'all know what to do. Leave a review wherever you listen to the show. I check every single one of them
0: hello I'm Lenny Ruchitsky. I write Lenny's newsletter I also have Lenny's podcast which I just launched uh, I have Lenny's job board you'll notice a pattern here <laughs> I in terms of revenue I don't get too deep into that but the interesting thing is I make a lot more doing this than I made at Airbnb where I was a senior product manager for many years like significantly more I, it's a, an absurd amount compared to what I used to do and my team is actually all contractors I've got seven contractors, no full-time employees. I'm trying to avoid full-time employees as long as I can. There's a community team that helps me run this community, of about 10,000 people. I've got an EA, I've got a copy editor, I've got a designer, and I've got a podcast production team.
1: So how did you go from
0: an idea? Did you do this while you had a day job? Absolutely not. I don't think I could have done this. I think that's why folks like us have an advantage over folks that have a job, because my brain would not have any space left after a full-time job to do what I do now. So I started this a few months after I left Airbnb. I was at Airbnb for seven years and I can keep going down this track, but essentially I was trying to start another company and I started writing on the side and the writing just kept going and going and I followed that path and I can keep, I can share more on that. That's the short story. Yeah, no, tell me more. Okay. So I was trying to start a company and I was like, oh, I learned all these things at Airbnb. I learned all these things starting my own company in the past. I want to make sure I remember them so that when I start my new thing, I don't have to relearn them. So I started writing. I wrote a thing on Medium. I ended up doing extremely well. It got like featured by Medium. I got uh, on their homepage and all these things. And I was like, oh, okay, this is pretty cool. And so I wrote a few more things while I was trying to work on company ideas. And the whole time I felt like this writing was a distraction. Like, why am I writing? I'm not going to... There's no future to writing. I got to work on the startup thing. But it kept going well. And so I had this really important conversation with a friend where he pointed out, hey, you're really enjoying this writing thing? people seem to really like it, which is like very rare to find a thing people value. And you found something people value, don't take that for granted. And maybe there's something there that you may not have thought about. So maybe just focus on that for a bit and forget about the startup stuff because maybe you're not actually interested in that. And it proved to be true. So I've started the writing thing. I started a Substack, wrote every week for nine months to see if it's something that I could stick with and enjoy. And that's when I actually started, decided to charge. And that's kind of when the business side of it took off. But it mostly came from just following what gave me energy and what was working versus like the thing I thought I needed to do. And did you, did you
1: quit your job at that point to get that started?
0: No, I'd left Airbnb. So I was there for seven years. I took a sabbatical and then I came back from the sabbatical and I was like very, it just felt like time to, time to move on. I've been there a long time. I wasn't feeling as excited about the work. And so I left Airbnb in March of 2019 and I started the writing in like April of 2019. So it was after that. It was in that period of exploration. And then how
1: soon did you make your first $10,000 from when you launched it?
0: I had When I launched it on Substack, I had no plan to charge ever. It was just like, this is a better place to write than Medium because I'm collecting email addresses and that feels like a good thing. So I launched on Substack. Nine months later, I started charging. And I think I got to $10,000 probably in the first couple of weeks, uh, especially ARR dollars. I don't know if the $10,000 came in immediately, but I'd say in the first couple months after launching Paid, maybe roughly a year after starting writing is probably the real answer to that. Dude,
1: that's awesome. I think that's also a great call out about product market fit, meaning that like people really enjoyed your writing. You got energy from it and it was, it was working. And, and it is interesting. Your friend's like, oh, just do the thing that's working. They're like, I know, I know, but I'm supposed to be over here. I was, I was yeah. like those kind of, stuff. What, what was the startup?
0: The startup that I sold to Airbnb, it was a company called LocalMind. It was actually a really clever idea somebody should do it. It's not a venture-scale business. It sat on top of Foursquare API and Gowal and Facebook back when that was cool to check in. And it let you talk to people that are checked into places that you're thinking about going to. So if you're thinking about going to a bar across town, you could be like, hey, is it cool down there? Should I actually come over? And they can send you pictures. And it's called Local Mind because it gave you this local mind in a place. And it was awesome. People loved it, but nobody really needed it. And we eventually realized we should probably sell this company before things don't work out. <laughs> and Airbnb was a pretty, yeah, killer place to land.
1: After, well, when you left Airbnb to start your own startup, what, what did you try starting?
0: I had a spreadsheet of maybe 50 different ideas that I've gathered over, over my time there that I've just like, one day I will explore this idea. And so I sorted it based on like, what am I excited about? What do I have unfair advantages around? What is a big opportunity? Things like that. And so like one idea was a, <laughs> uh, I'm really glad I didn't do this, but it was a Gas station, like Whole Foods meets gas stations, like a really nice gas station experience where it's like gas stations for women is one way we described it, where like women would like, I choose that gas station because it's like not smelly. It's like nice lighting, things like that. So that was one idea. I'm glad we didn't do that. Uh, another idea was like a little voice in your head that gave you advice throughout the day to do stuff that you wanted to do, like a little routine. Like you wake up and it gives you a whole routine. Do your, do some workouts, go brush your teeth and it kind of walks you through that with music and. Things like that. So I had a little microphone clipped to me for a few weeks, just listening, and I record all these fun routines for my friends. So anyway, that's a kind of interesting, actually. With AI, now someone could do that.
1: Yeah. Well, I also like. I think it's really fun. Fa- One of my favorite movies of all time is Small Time Crooks. You ever heard of this movie? No, but I'm gonna ch- go check it out. I would highly recommend it. It's a Woody Allen movie, and the whole the movie the guys are trying to rob a bank, and while they rob a bank, they open a cookie store to make it easier to rob the bank. And it turns out the cookie store did really well at the end of the movie, you know? And so it's kind of like with you where you're trying to do these ideas and as you're writing about it, and I think, you know, you're writing about it, it gets popular. I think the other thing to maybe recognize for a lot of people that are solopreneurs or want to be one like yourself is like, what was your day job or what have you gotten paid for? And then how do you potentially leverage that knowledge or experience? I think a lot of people try to go to brand new fields. So I love that you went into the field that you have experience with. Yeah. You know, you said something earlier. Why did you decide not to hire any full-time people?
0: My general philosophy to this, so the writing started off with, I just want to live a really chill life and I don't need to, I don't want, I'm not going to work that hard and I'm going to try to make just enough income to live a happy, chill life after my intense time at Airbnb. So my whole philosophy to this part of my life was just keep it simple. Don't do too much. Don't like shoot for the stars. Just like do something that's fun and make just enough money. And so, generally, my approach is just how do I keep everything as simple as possible? So, partly just the idea of like hiring someone. I don't know. There's all this paperwork, 401ks, and taxes, and all these things I don't want to deal with. (laughs) Uh, That's one reason, just simplicity. Two, I feel weird taking on someone's like livelihood and being responsible for that. Feels like a big responsibility. And then I have to think about their career paths, and performance reviews, and all these things. I've been managing for a long time in my life, and it's not it's not the funnest thing. And so I wouldn't mind not managing. And the other thing is I still do the core work. I do the writing and do the podcasting. So the contractors help me with the the adjacent areas like running the community, copy editing, design, things like that. Uh, And they're an amazing team and I'm really thankful for them all.
1: Interesting. And then was that that was an intentional choice that you were just like, I don't want full-time people. I don't want responsibility. I want things being simple.
0: Yeah. And the folks that I work with also have full-time jobs and they like this too, because it's this flexible side gig that pays well, and they enjoy, and they're learning about and learning from. So I think it's a win-win.
1: And then what, what are the different revenue streams of your, of your business?
0: The newsletter was the first. The podcast is the second, and it's actually going to exceed the newsletter immediately in the first year, which I did not expect. And then I have this job board, which is interesting. I basically realized I have this two sides of a marketplace. I have product managers reading the newsletter, and then I have hiring managers and companies reading the newsletter. And so, and they're looking to hire people, they're looking for jobs, whatever brought them together. And so Lenny's jobs.com is a place where people can sign up to opt in to be contacted by companies that I approve that are looking for people. And so it's kind of the reverse job board where there's a whole collection of candidates. There's about 600 people in there from top companies. And I I only approve about 10% of people that apply to get in. And then companies pay to get access to that community of people, and then they reach out. So that's the third thing that I do on the side.
1: So if someone wanted to replicate your, like what you've done in, in a different category, like how would you recommend yeah. them starting?
0: So the, the main thing is you need to provide value to people, like write a newsletter that is actually valuable to someone or start a podcast that is really valuable to someone. I think starting a newsletter is actually a better approach than going straight to podcast or the job board because people can share the emails a lot easier and it spreads more easily through Twitter and Facebook or whoever people share things. Actually, LinkedIn is the number one source of referrals more than Twitter. So the core thing is just find ways to provide value to people, which is help them be better at their job, help them make money, help them understand what's happening in the world, things like that. Like that's the seed that you have to get right. But if you can do that, basically, I'd start a newsletter and start just write. So I did it for nine months every week for to see if it would go anywhere. And so that's the core of it, I'd say is just start writing. And if people aren't excited about it and sharing it, then that just means you're not providing enough value. So work on that. What else can I do to make life easier for people? You
1: mentioned LinkedIn was really good for you. Can you tell me more about that?
0: Yeah, it's interesting. LinkedIn drives more new subscribers to my newsletter than Twitter. People sharing the newsletter on LinkedIn, then then them, hey, check out this post, and then they go sign up. So it's interesting that LinkedIn drives more traffic to the newsletter than Twitter, even though I spend a lot more time on Twitter. It's more fun than LinkedIn. But I think it
1: makes sense. There's professional...
0: You know, folks on LinkedIn, and they're looking for for help.
1: That's interesting. Yeah, I like hearing that. And in terms of um, two other follow-ons, your community is that—that's a Slack community. It's like the private group they get for being a part of the newsletter. Exactly.
0: So as soon as you subscribe to the newsletter, you get an invite to the Slack. And if you stop subscribing, we kick you out of the Slack. And there's about ten thousand people in there. The coolest part of it actually is emerged out of the community where people are meeting up in the real world now. So there's all these channels for local cities, like meet in LA, meet in Mumbai, meet in Switzerland. And they organize these meetups where every month there's about 30 meetups happening within the community, self-organized. We actually found sponsors now. So there's a sponsor that pays for drinks and food. So they come to these things, there's food, there's drinks, there's stickers. And there's about 30 a month, roughly, that are happening now. And it's pretty wild.
1: That's cool, dude. That's cool to hear. And and you were mentioning your podcast is doing better than newsletters. Is that Where's that revenue coming from? Is that sponsors? What's that? Yeah,
0: it's ads. It's generating more. It's on track to generate more revenue than the newsletter from ads in the first year.
1: Wow, I would have not ever bet on that because, like, I I have you know some sponsors for our podcast, but they were paying like pretty like okay CPMS. Maybe I just don't have enough downloads. It was like I said, you know, the show gets about ten thousand um, an episode, but I was, I was the revenue from them wasn't really high. So I'm kind of surprised to hear that.
0: I think what's unique about my podcast is it's the listeners are work at mostly B2B SaaS companies and large enterprises. And so the LTVs are really high if you can sell them, great software. Uh, I won't go through sponsors that have, but it's B2B software companies mostly. So that makes a big difference because the LTVs are really high. And so it's worth spending
1: to get a big company. Can you give an example of one? Because you give a shout out to one of your sponsors. Yeah,
0: Amplitude, Miro, uh, Sprig, and there's a lot. Basically, Notion, Coda,
1: yeah, like the who's companies. who of uh, like cool software, not on AppSumo.com. <laughs> one thing that's interesting, I think, for people who want to replicate your success in, in solopreneurship is like write a newsletter, build a community, add new verticals. But I, I think one of the things that, that you did that I, I think others need to make sure they, they're aware of is like you picked a very valuable and like specific audience. And I think that's really smart. I mean, it was also something you were experienced in. Or I think people want to replicate. It's like, okay, oh, hey, what's the audience that you have experience with that you can, you know, commit to for, for some period of time?
0: Yeah, it is really important to focus. So I'll say two things. One is you don't want to focus too much. Like if all I focused on was product management, I would be so bored. If all I wrote about was product management, tips and tricks and advice, uh, that would be no fun. And so I think it's important to have like a specific core and then just like a few adjacencies that are interesting to you. The core is that it's really important you really enjoy this work. Like you don't want to create a job for yourself that you don't like. And I think that's really easy in this creator path where you like create a killer TikTok video and you're like, feel so good. And then then you've realized you have to do this every day or every week forever. And it's that's no fun. What did you do to yourself? Why would you do that? That's not a fun life. And so if you end up down this path, just think about, do I actually enjoy and care about this stuff? Or am I just doing it because people love it? So it's really important to find the balance of stuff people love and things you enjoy. The other thing, coming back to the core of this, is people need to find value in what you're doing. Like if your newsletter or videos aren't working, people just aren't finding value. So find ways to provide more value. And the way to do that is you need to have real experience in the space. It has to be coming from real life experience. You can't just be aggregating TikToks and tweets and being like, look, I'm going to share all this great value for you because that only take you so far. So it's really hard, I think, to do something in the business context, especially if you don't have an ad experience doing it. People see right through it, and they're just like, this guy doesn't actually know what he's talking about or her. Unless, like, I think it's if you could entertain people, sure, you could do. I don't know what you could have any background. If you have awesome dance videos, that's that's easier
1: <laughs> and harder. How do you organize your teams, your, your team of freelancers?
0: Pretty easy. I'd say the workflow, one of the most interesting parts of the workflow is paying people. So I have each contractor email my EA. I have an EA that I work with uh, through Double. There's this company called withdouble.com, I think is a site where they find you an EA. And so they just match me with this EA, Lindsay, and we work together and we've been working together for six months now. So each contractor emails her their hours that month. She pays them through Gusto. Otherwise, with the community team, I actually so I have this guy, Shrey, who kind of leads the community, and he kind of works with a lot of the other folks. And so I work with him mostly and don't need to interact with the other folks as often. So there's a person that leads meetups. There's a person that leads the mentorship program. There's a person that means leads the content part of the community. And so Shrey kind of oversees all that. So there's kind of like a cool delegation component there. And then the copy editor, I just email her draft designer, email her request for designs, EA I ping all the time random stuff. What do you use to coordinate with the EA? Email. And then there's also this app. If you use double, there's an app with like to-dos and schedules and chat and things like that. So I just talk to her through this app. Um, but then also CCR and emails and have her, you know, send invites and things like that.
1: And then what what, is, what does your work week look like or your work day look like? So one cool thing I do is I have no meetings until three o'clock.
0: I find that that I need these huge blocks of time. To be creative and think and research. So, no meetings until three. This is a, uh, yeah, we had this meeting's at three. So, this sometimes I make exceptions. I'm glad that we started this after three as an example of that. And then I mostly spend that time doing as much creative work as I can, plus I'm trying to avoid Twitter, but I get sucked into Twitter a lot. And then oh. after three, yeah, <laughs> after three, it's, uh, so I also do a bunch of angel investing. So, there's a lot of calls with founders, sharing advice, and then also just meeting new founders. And, I work a lot. Like this is a full-time job, the newsletter, the podcast, job board, things like that. So I usually work one weekend day just to kind of stay ahead of everything. But otherwise, uh, mostly the core work happens in the morning, kind of before three.
1: What advice do you have for someone who has a day job that's always dreamed of being a solopreneur or an entrepreneur? I will say it's tough. Like there's a reason
0: it doesn't happen often. And it's the reason I didn't do this until I left. So, I think one is just be real, like this is going to be hard. It's not it takes time to create value for people and your brain is probably fried after a day's of work. So, just like as context, I'll just, just say it's not going to be easy, but I guess it just comes down to find slices of time where you can go deep into something. I find there's a strong correlation between time spent on something and how good it ends up doing. So, there's a lot of writers out there and even I don't know YouTube, all the kinds of creators that release one thing every once in a while, and that one thing, if it is awesome, does a lot for them and starts to build an audience. Like actually, Sri Ram Krishnan, who's a partner at Andreessen, it went through this journey. He started this newsletter called The Observer Effect or something like that, where he interviewed like Mark Andreessen and then the CEO of Spotify, and then Toby from actually Shopify also so Spotify and Shopify. And it was just like a really amazing interview that was really funny and in-depth. And he did that three times over the course of a year, maybe. And that led to a huge platform that he built, which led to him in some sense, ending up as a partner at Andreessen Horowitz. So I guess my advice is just, you don't need to put out a lot of stuff. Just if you do, just put in the time and get to something that is awesome and then put that out. And then do the next thing that's awesome that you put in time. So, you know, maybe spend three months in something that's awesome, put it out. So I know the trick is finding the time and energy and willpower, but.
1: <laughs> you don't, do you not think it, was, it would have been as possible to do it while you had your day job at Airbnb? No, I was just working like insane hours
0: and came home, like not wanting to do any more work. Uh, it's really hard. If you work at a job that is not that intense, then obviously it's a lot easier. But I don't, I don't think so. It's really hard. I tried. I did some writing actually at Airbnb, but didn't, didn't do anything like this did.
1: What's your take, you know, especially because you've been a part of Airbnb and the Silicon Valley, like, you know, hyper growth stuff, and then you now you're at your own pace. What's your thoughts about that? And then what's pros and cons?
0: It's uh it's amazing. I love it. The the revenue to stress ratio is divide by zero, basically. It's like a no-stress <laughs> life. You know, I've like I've gotten used to just the rhythm of putting things out so that doesn't stress me out. And it's incredibly fulfilling. You know, I just get pings every day from people about how much the stuff I put out has helped them. And I don't know that that's hard. That's hard to beat. And I'm also just learning a lot. So people basically are paying me to learn and share what I've learned, which is really quite special. I think it'd be tough to have only done this. I think I'm only excited about this part of my life because I already did the crazy intense part where it was like 15 years of working without a break maybe 20 years working without a break intensely at a startup and an Airbnb started before that. So I was just ready for a more chill life and uh, I'm really enjoying it. I'm really happy I went down this path.
1: I love your stress ratio. <laughs> Pretty great. Yeah. And have you, how do you enjoy it? Like how have you enjoyed uh, the success of the, of this business?
0: I could enjoy more. The main thing is it's really flexible. And so my wife and I just go on random trips through the, you know, in the middle of the week. Or we just come up with a random trip and then I just kind of move things around. So the main thing is just adds a lot of flexibility. Uh, when I hit big milestones, we like when I hit 300,000 subscribers, 200,000 subscribers, I was, uh, we went out for a nice dinner and just kind of punctuated the moment a little bit. But I could probably celebrate it more. Mostly I just work harder and, <laughs> and put in more time to make it more awesome.
1: So I like that you said you can travel and enjoy, but after you get some success, you're like, oh, it's time to work even harder. Like, I just come back.
0: It's, it's just, I just come back to the work and just like, okay, 300,000. Sweet. That felt really good. And then it's like, all right, 300,001, Here we go. Where's the next big milestone? And it's not like I'm, I am have these goals, like, I need to hit 500,000. It's just fun to watch that number. And it's like a nice little round number to watch as it grows. Um, but yeah, I try not to overthink how big it's gotten.
1: <laughs> what do you think of this solopreneur trend that, you know, we're making this video about it? And it has been one, it's, it makes me jealous sometimes. Like we have I think around 70 people at AppSumo and I I do love all the people and I love that I don't have to do all the work, but there's definitely times where I'm like, oh man, you can be by yourself. You have all these freelancers. There's no like, there's just a lot of trade-offs to it.
0: Yeah. So in terms of pros and cons, there's definitely cons to, and pros to that life. And what's cool is in the future, it won't necessarily be that, you know, something might change with the business, ideally good. And you can try, you could do other things if you ever choose to. So, you know, I never imagined I'd be just doing my own thing. It's not like a, I plan to do this thing. So that option always exists in the future. Life is long. There's a lot of opportunities. Like this is my fourth career, I realized. And there's things change. But in terms of the creator path, I think there's just going to be... Like the thing that you need to always get to is, is your stuff good enough for people to pay attention to and share? And that's hard. And so I think a lot of people will try it and either not be able to hit that bar and move on to something else, or they'll do it and then be like, oh, this is not actually any fun. Why, why am I to create three TikToks a day, this is so not fun. What have I done? And then they'll quit because it's really hard. And so I think there's just going to be a lot of top of funnel people, you know, trying to do this thing. A lot of people not being able to do it well enough or just finding they're not excited about it. And in the end, it's just, can you hit the, a higher bar than someone that came before you in that area? So I think there'll be a lot of people that bounce out pretty quickly.
1: Yeah. I mean, it, it's going to be work either way. So find the the work you want to work on. <laughs> Exactly.
0: It's And it's hard to like, you don't want to overthink it. Like, is this the thing I want to do for 10 years before you write one newsletter? But it is important to think about that. Like, am I actually excited about this? Or am I just doing it? Because there's like, oh, I want to get a lot of followers, and everyone's paying attention to this topic, and I'm going to become the person on this topic. Like, just make sure you actually care, because it'll show people will know if you're writing about something that you don't really care about. um, And it won't be any good.
1: Yeah. I mean, what And you said earlier, just uh, two last things you said earlier, you don't like we called a content creator or you don't recognize yourself as what were you saying? Uh, yeah, I,
0: I don't, there's all this cringy stuff around creators. You're a creator. I don't want like, I don't want to call myself a creator. It just sounds wrong. I even don't call myself a writer, even though I write basically professionally, I just kind of describe myself as I write a newsletter. Uh, I just, I don't think I've come to terms with that. And I don't feel like a writer, you know, there's like writers and then there's me just writing a newsletter. And so I kind of don't know what to call myself. And I think there's just a lot of cringiness around creators that I don't want to fall into. What do you want to be called? I I have no idea. I I just describe myself as I write a newsletter and host a podcast. Like, it's more of a verb. It's like, what am I doing versus who am I? I don't know. I don't know. Who am I? But that's something (laughs) something,
1: I worry about. We are all asking that question (laughs) on a daily basis. I was talking to my therapist this morning about that exact one. I I do think that's a great call out, you know, I think to the solopreneur, whether you run a company with people or you're other solopreneur with freelancers, it is work. Like, I I think we, there's an imagination. You just like get on a podcast, say what's up and call it a day and you you make seven figures. And the reality is to, to sustain that and be there. It definitely takes a lot of effort. It's not as easy as just, um, you know, getting on a microphone for a few minutes or typing a few letters. Like, you know, I think that's good that you were kind of calling that out earlier.
0: Yeah. Like when you look at a successful podcast, they make it look really easy. Like it's just two two dudes talking like my first million or Tim Ferris just interviewing people. But there's so much work that goes in behind the scenes to make it great. They prepare. There's all this production. There's studio stuff. There's like, you know, like making three podcasts a week is a lot of work. So it's like I, I work basically a full time job. I work weekends often just kind of stay ahead of stuff, probably because you never want to drop the bar. Basically, any content is a huge meritocracy. If people don't want to listen or don't find value in it, they'll just leave very quickly. They're immediately unsubscribed. So, you you have to keep it up. And that takes time. And it's not like a side hustle. It's like a if you want to do it well and if you want to stay at the top, you you got to keep at it and you got to work, you got to put in the hours.
1: And then the last thing, you you said when you were leaving Ruby you had a bunch of business ideas. A lot of our audience wants to start businesses. Any ideas you'd like to see someone do?
0: Okay, so one idea was ritual, and it was Headspace for Habits. Okay, that's a good idea. Someone could do this, where it helps you build good habits. So you tell it, I want to work out, and I want to brush my teeth every day. And as soon as you wake up, you put in an AirPod, and it guides you through these routines, and it helps you build these habits so that you don't need to listen to this every day. It's kind of a personalized, like, hey, Noah, good morning. The weather today is, right. let's get up in about five minutes, and we'll go brush our teeth. <laughs> so it's something like that. And, they, and then they build in a workout routine and meditation, all that kind of stuff. So that's one idea that I think could be a good one. Uh, one idea was called Pullover. It was an app that helps you find things as you're driving around. Like you go on road trips and there's all this awesome stuff on the side you don't even know about. So it'd be like, oh, here's my road trip. What should I check out along the way? That'd be sweet. Well, I like that one. And uh, Memory Pocket. Okay, so the recording one, what was that? I forget what I was doing with the recording. So I carried it on a recorder, let it record all my conversations. And it was actually kind of uh, tension building with the relationship because you can like go back and listen to what you talked about for real versus what you remember. And what was, I think it was trying to find trends of stuff or it helped you remember stuff. I think maybe it
1: was the core of it,
0: but there's something there, right? Just like, what if we record our days, just audio? It's probably interesting data there.
1: Yeah, I was meeting someone next week and I was like, hey, can we just record our chat? Because then, then I can probably share with other people and it's like a two for one.
0: Yeah, that's like what podcasts end up, how they often start. <laughs> just,
1: yeah, it's not, I mean, it just, I guess depends if your friends are also into tech and podcasts. Like, hey, can we record it? Like, yeah, of course.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah. That was awesome. Uh, Lenny, thank you, man. Very, uh, very cool. I love the, I, I, we were interviewing a bunch of different like design agencies. To, we interviewed Sam, my buddy Neville, who has coaching. Do you do, are you thinking about doing courses or other revenue streams?
0: I had a course, I did two cohorts. It was awesome. There was maybe 500 people total across them. It was very lucrative, very fulfilling, but it was just, it was not where my energy was pulling me. It was just always a lot of work to make it awesome and presenting and doing a whole shebang did not bring me joy. And so I stopped down that route and that actually allowed me to do the podcast, which I enjoy a lot more. So I tried the course thing. I now drive people to other courses instead, because it was not not my happy place.
1: Last thing, I'm curious, how how does the community aspect affect the newsletter retention and people staying with you?
0: That's one of the reasons I launched it. It just felt like it'd be a good retentive feature. I have no idea what impact it has. It feels like a good thing. I can't measure it really, because I launched it pretty early. I imagine it helps. I know a lot of people only subscribe to be part of the community. They could care less about the newsletter. I don't know how many people that is, but that's been
1: interesting. Yeah, because I think a lot of people in terms of businesses of the future, they want to have a community aspect. Yeah. Or community is the business.
0: Yeah. And the community is just same as the newsletters. And you got to make sure it provides value to people. People aren't like looking for, I'm going to join a Slack and be in there active. Like, like, what problem are you solving for people in the community? For us, it's, I want advice on building product and helping drive growth and career stuff and meet people, talk about product and things like that. So that's really important. I found it's just be a place where someone's like, oh, I have this problem. This community is a really good place to solve that. And it's also hard to
1: make it work. Awesome. And then where should we send people?
0: Lenny's newsletter.com, Lenny's podcast.com, Lenny's job.com. Just uh,
1: all those are great. That is a wrap. I hope you loved the episode as much as we did making it for you. Please give Lenny some love at Lenny's newsletter.com. That's Lenny's Newsletter.com. Next, text a friend you love him. Yo, dog, let's brainstorm some startup ideas together. And before you go, tweet, TikTok, Instagram. I don't know what what else is out there. At Noah Kagan, I love hearing from you. Also, remember to go subscribe to my newsletter. I put my best tips into a single short email each and every week in exclusive content just for the subscribers. That's okdork.com. Finally, a couple shout-outs to the amazing team for making this happen. Jeremy, George, Cam, Sasa, Nikki, and Jen, the dork team, for all the magic y'all do. And finally, shout-out to Lawrence Chan at AppSumo. Uh, he hosted an incredible two-day sprint. We've been doing design sprints about upgrading AppSumo all across the board. Uh, really great work. Thanks, Lawrence. Have an extraordinary day. What's your favorite newsletter, aside from my money's?